You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We also have a Bridge app you can get on your phone or your device. Uh, take advantage of those. Again, we're really glad you're here today. I want to continue with the series of messages that I've been teaching about things that matter. Things that matter. And today I want to take a, a roundabout road and a little different angle on the subject of prayer. Now the women this last season in Bridge Women have been studying prayer and talking about prayer. And there have been some great testimonies of how God has answered prayer in people's lives. Today, I, I want to dive into this today, and I want to begin with two of my favorite scriptures. Now, you don't need to turn there. Go ahead and turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. We'll start reading in Matthew chapter 6 in just a few moments. But I want to show you two of my favorite scriptures. Uh, you know, I love all of God's Word, but there are some scriptures that I just love. They've meant so much to me through the years. These are two of my favorites. First Philippians chapter 4 says this. As a matter of fact... Do me a favor. Let's read these verses, okay? Some of my favorites, so read them right out loud with me. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, what he literally says is don't worry about stuff. Instead, pray. Have sincere, serious prayers, conversations with God. Then verse 7 says this. And the peace of God, read with me, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This passage tells us there's great benefits when we lay everything at God's feet in prayer. So we need to be talking to God about everything in life. And then I want to look at Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Follow along with me and read with me again. Therefore, I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What a great promise. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So both of these scriptures that we read talk about the importance, the power, the weight that is carried when we pray. So I want to ask you a question today. Why is it that we don't pray more? Why is it that some people struggle with prayer? Well, you know, I don't want to put condemnation on anybody, but I think this message today is going to help some people. For one thing, I think one of the reasons why we don't pray is we don't think we know how to pray. A lot of people say, I don't know how to pray. The disciples one day said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And we're going to look at that in a few minutes. Teach us to pray. A lot of people don't think they know how to pray, so they don't pray. Another thing, we don't think we deserve answers to our prayer. A lot of people don't ask for things because they don't think they deserve God to answer them. Another reason, I think we believe, well, if I pray, it's not going to make any difference anyway. So what do we do? Oftentimes, we just don't pray. So what is prayer? What is prayer? I think of all the things that we do in church and we encourage people to do in life, I think prayer is one of the things that's most misunderstood or maybe least misunderstood. Because we make prayer so many things. You know, you come to church and you hear one of the pastors up front praying a congregational prayer and you think, okay, I got to learn to do that. No, 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 you're missing the point. 
Praying a corporate leadership prayer is one thing. Praying my personal prayer sounds very different. But let me talk to you about this for a minute. When Jesus taught on prayer, when the disciples said, teach us to pray, the first thing Jesus did was he taught them how not to pray. When they said, teach us to pray, he said, okay, here's what prayer is not. For example, prayer is not a religious exercise. It's not something you do to please God. That's not what prayer is. A lot of people think, well, you got to pray or God's going to be mad and he's already mad at me, so I'm not going to pray anyway because it's not going to help matters. We get these wrong attitudes because we misunderstand prayer. It is not a religious exercise. Prayer is not begging God for something, whatever it might be. It's not getting in there and just begging and begging, please, 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 give me, give me, give me. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not a hit or miss proposition. It's not a maybe or a sometimes thing. It's not a thing where well, I, I prayed and it worked, but I prayed and it didn't work. I prayed 10 times, only one of them worked, so I might as well give up. We miss the importance and the power of prayer because we misunderstand prayer. Simply defined, prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is just a religious word for a conversation with God. If I were to say to you today, instead of saying we're going to pray, if I were to say to you, you know what, we're going to stop right now and talk to God, that would take a lot of pressure off of people. Because I'm going to tell you something. You may not think you know how to pray, but you know how to have a conversation with somebody. And if you can have a conversation with anybody, you can have a conversation with God. But a lot of people don't think prayer is going to work for them. Prayer is conversation with God. Now, here's what happens in a healthy conversation. How many married folks do we have here? I'm going to help you out a lot right here. Here's, here's how a healthy conversation works. I talk, and then I listen. Some of us haven't got part two of that figured out yet. Okay, it'll help your marriage. I talk, and then I listen. The same with God. I talk, and then I listen. I take time to hear what God has to say. So if prayer is so simple, if it's just conversation, why do we struggle so much with, with prayer? Why do we struggle so much with having conversations with God? Well, I think part of the problem is we have missed the foundation, the first principle of prayer. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm going to share three simple thoughts the next few minutes or three different topics the next few minutes. Number one, look at Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. The verses will be on the screen. Look at verse 7. Matthew 6, verse 7. Here's what Jesus says. So when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. You know, some people are taught, and we, we've taught it in our churches. Well, if you don't pray at least an hour a day, you're really missing the mark. Let me tell you something. I don't talk to anybody for an hour a day. I don't talk to my wife for an hour a day. Now, I will listen for 45 minutes, and we'll have an hour conversation, but I don't talk for an <laughs> Honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that kind of stuff comes from, but it just kind of pops up, you know. How many men can say amen? Well, I need to move on just leave that one alone. I can tell by the look. But here's what Jesus said. 
He said the heathen, they use all these empty, vain repetitions. They just say stuff over and over and over. They just chant and chant and chant and chant and chant. And they think if they spend all day chanting this thing, eventually God's going to hear them. And Jesus said, don't do that. You know, I come from a really legalistic, old-fashioned Pentecostal church background. And I remember going to prayer meetings when I was a kid and people would be praying, Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I mean, for 45 minutes. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, dude, I think God's ready to move on to the next line, you know. <laughs> but some people have been taught, and I know, don't get offended, okay. I can make fun because I are one, all right. Because I, I was raised in that, I can do that. But, but here's my point. We have these superstitious ideas about prayer. It's got to be this long, and i got to say all these words. No, it's a conversation with God. Jesus said, don't think you'll be heard because of all that. And then notice verse number 8. Jesus says, therefore, do not be like them. Don't be like the heathen and the Pharisees. For your Father knows the things you have need of even before you ask. What he says is, before you come start talking to God, God already knows what's in your heart, what's in your mind. He knows what you want to talk to him about. Now, why is this important? Number one, if you're taking some notes today, I want you to get this thought down. Number one, prayer is not a tool to manipulate God. Prayer is not a tool to manipulate God. Not everybody knows that. Some people, because you've lacked teaching, you've got wrong teaching, you think, okay, I use long prayers to manipulate God. That doesn't manipulate God. You cannot manipulate God. Now, let me give you an example of this. Isn't it interesting? I'm, I'm going to go pray. I get alone with God, so I'm going to start to pray. And I try to think of all the right things to say to impress God. I try to start thinking of all the things I want to say to kind of butter him up and win his favor and get him on my side and tell him how precious and wonderful he is. And then when I get him all buttered up and he's smiling at me, then I'm going to sneak it in and say, hey, God, if you could, I need this right here. How many people have ever approached God that way? You know what that is? It's manipulation. It's trying to manipulate God. And all the while, God's like, look, just get through all the sugar, get through all the syrup, tell me what's on your mind because I already know. All right, let, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. How many of you who have children know your children can try and manipulate you? Isn't that true? Now, I don't want to get in any more trouble, but isn't it also true your spouse can try and manipulate you? Ooh, I got a big amen over here from a lady. Her husband must, must not be with her today. Your spouse can try and manipulate you. Come and share certain things with you. Oh, honey, you're so precious. You, I just love you so much. You're the greatest. Oh, I've never met anybody like you. You know what? Could you give me $150 for this kind of manipulation? Uh, how many know your parents can try to manipulate you? Even when they get old, they can try and manipulate you. Family members Friends can try and manipulate you. And they don't tell you the truth up front. They give you all the other stuff, and then they try to sneak it in and bend your... What they're really trying to do is they're trying to bend your will to fit their will. And sometimes I think we as believers try to manipulate God. Manipulation is dishonesty. And God knows it. It's dishonest communication to try to get my way and my will. And one of our struggles with prayer is that we try to use prayer, now listen closely, 
We try to use prayer to talk God into doing what we want done. We try to use prayer to talk God into doing what we want done. When actually, here's here's the, the good part. When actually, when you start praying about something, God may have a better idea than you have. Did you know that? Do you know sometimes God has a better idea? He's got a better answer than your answer. Sometimes God wants to do so much more than you expect. But yet we limit him and we want to get our will in our way. Now, there's a statement we use here at the Bridge Church a lot. I say it constantly. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. Now, I want you to say that with me, make it personal. Say, God has better plans for me than I have for myself. God has better plans for me than I have for myself. Now, if I believe that, the rest of this teaching is really going to be simple. Because number one, prayer is not a tool to manipulate God. Number two, the first purpose of prayer is to align my heart with God. See, this is where a lot of people miss it. The first purpose of prayer is to align my heart with God. Now, let me set this up. Jesus gave us this model prayer. Remember I told you earlier, the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. They were amazed at how much time Jesus spent talking to God. Teach us to pray. So Jesus gave them this model prayer. We call it usually the Lord's Prayer. It's a model. It's an outline for prayer. And in this prayer, he told us to ask for our daily needs. He told us to ask for forgiveness as we forgive others. He told us to ask for guidance and protection from our enemy. He told us to trust God to answer our prayers. And we usually are really anxious to ask God for all those things. But we often overlook the first part of prayer. So look at verse number 9, the same chapter. Verse number 9. Jesus says, in this manner, therefore, pray, or pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I want to spend just a minute here, maybe two minutes. I don't want to spend a lot of time, but I want to make this point. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, when Jesus teaches us to pray, the first thing he wants us to do is recognize who we're talking to And what our relationship is with him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now let let me ask you the question. When you pray, to whom are you speaking? Who are you talking to? When you pray, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? How do you see God? What do you think about God? How do you picture God in your heart and in your mind? How do you see God? How do you approach God? This is what Jesus is talking about. When you start to pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What Jesus is saying here is, we need to get our relationship with God in right perspective. Is God some distant being how do you see God is he this 
something out there in some other universe looking down on this universe and he's way out there and every now and then he shows up but most of the time I have no idea what he's doing, what's going on. Is he this distant being? How do you see God? Is he a cruel taskmaster? When I was a kid, man, out of my background, I was raised in church, but I thought God was this gray-haired old guy sitting in the clouds with a frown on his face just getting ready to send lightning bolts down on me because of my mess-ups. That's what happens when you get raised in legalism. I saw God as this angry, mean, powerful dude. How do you see God? Do you see God as a wishing well? Yeah, I throw my coins in now and then, but sometimes I get my wishes, sometimes I don't. That's how some people see God, and that's how they see prayer. Or maybe he's the, the genie in the lamp. And if I rub this lamp and I get it and nobody else has had it for a while, and I rub this lamp, if God's got time and he's not too busy, maybe it's my turn and he'll pop out of the lamp and give me my three wishes. Problem with that is some of you have already used up your three wishes, so you think you're done with God, you know. How do you see God? Because how we see God determines how we're going to approach Him. How do you see God? You know, in my lifetime, I've not met a lot of famous people. You've not had those kind of relationships. But years ago, it's a long story, so I'll make it really short. I had an unusual opportunity. I think God orchestrated it. I got to have lunch with a very famous minister here in America, worldwide famous, well-known, one-on-one, just the two of us. I got to have lunch with him, got to pick his brain. He pastored a huge church. I mean, he was known around the world for a movement. And I had lunch with this guy. And the first thing I did when I first walked into his office and shook his hand and we went to get in his car, I began to talk to him about, hey, this is what I know about you, man. I know you've done this and this and this. And God has used you for all these things. And I just want you to know I'm aware of who you are and what you are. And I want to thank you for taking time to talk to me today. It was amazing. This guy just opened his heart. He talked very openly. I mean, he spoke some things into my life that were really important to me. I've also had opportunities to sit down with some very successful businessmen and have coffee or have lunch. I had the opportunity a few years ago, along with several men from the church, we went and met with the county leaders, some of our county leaders, because we were facing a challenge with our property here at the church. And I learned something years ago. When you meet with people and you start a conversation, you need to recognize them for who they are and what they are and what's in their hand. And then you need to be honest and lay it out before them and let God work. I'm going to tell you something. I've had favor through the years with with some people. We had favor with the county. They helped us solve some problems we had here. Something very unusual. But the reason it happened was we approached them and we honored them for who they are and what they are. And therefore they opened their heart to us and they were willing to help us. And Jesus said, when you pray, begin your prayer this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What he's saying is, here's your relationship to God. He is your heavenly Father. He cares about everything going on in your life. He has good gifts for you beyond anything you could ever imagine. But when you approach him, realize if you hollow his name, if you make his name holy, if you understand the nature of his name, you'll find out that his name declares that everything you will ever need in this life, he can provide for you. So when I go to talk to God, I honor him for who he is and what he is. He's the God of the universe, but he's also my father 
And he has everything I will ever need in life. And he wants to give me the things that I need. We need to know our relationship with God. God has an unlimited kingdom. He has unlimited provision. And he's looking to place his provision where it's needed and where it's wanted, where it is properly used for his purposes and for his will. So we need to approach God correctly. Now I want to ask you one more time. Do you really believe God has better plans for you than you have for yourself? I'm asking you. You can answer me. Do you believe God has better plans for you than you have for yourself? Then why wouldn't I be willing to lay down my plans for his plans? Now let let me show you this. Look at verse number 10. Here's the next part of the prayer. Pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How many of you believe that God's got a lot of stuff in heaven? How many of you believe that everything everything in heaven is perfect it's just the way it's supposed to be there's provision there's blessing there's peace everything imaginable it's there in heaven jesus said when you talk to the father ask him to send heaven to earth in your life that's what he said ask him to send heaven to earth. as a matter of fact if you go back and look at this in the original writings this is not a question it's not a request it's a statement it's Kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. Do you understand me? Kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. You know what this is? This is an alignment of wills. It's me coming to the place where I understand. When I come into God's presence, the first thing I want to do is honor God and exchange my will for His will because His plans are better than mine. Kingdom of God, come. See, it's not a statement of demanding God to do something. It's me speaking to myself. I'm laying down my will because I want God's kingdom and God's will to be done in my life. It's an exchange of the will. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. You know, James chapter 4, you don't need to turn there, but the first six verses or so, James is, is writing to the church, and here's what he says. He says, some of you have stopped praying. Now, I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, some of you have stopped praying. Some of you have stopped talking to God. And then he makes a statement in verse 2. He says, you have not because you ask not. Let that sink in just a moment. You have not because you ask not. You know, some of us need to humble ourselves today and ask God for the things that we need. You have not. Because you ask not. But then he gets more into the root of the problem. And he says, you know, the reason you stopped asking is because there have been several occasions when you asked for the things that even though they were good things and godly things, you asked with the wrong intentions. Because you wanted to waste it on your own fleshly lusts and desires. You asked for God to bless you with his blessing so you could do, go off and do something totally out of his will, totally out of his plan, totally out of his nature and character. And God didn't answer your prayers. And as a result, you got discouraged and you stopped praying. And here's what he said. 
He said, when our hearts and our wills are wrapped around the wrong things of the world, it actually makes us an enemy of God. And God says, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer so you can go do that with it. Yes, this is good. Yes, this is a blessing. But what I have, you can misuse it, and I'm not going to put it in your hands because your heart is wrong. You can't manipulate me into doing your will. We need to have an exchange of wills here. And then finally he goes on to say in verse 6, he said, God resists the proud. Now pause here a moment. God resists the proud. What does it mean to be proud and have pride? It means to think that your will is right, your thinking is better than everybody else's, you know what's best, and you don't need anybody else to tell you, you can do it your way. That's pride. It says God resists the proud. Those who are self-willed, he resists, but he gives grace. Grace means gifts. He gives grace to the humble. Those who will exchange their wills for God's will, for right intents and purposes, God gives grace to them. Maybe I can illustrate this in this manner. In the Old Testament, there's, it's a long story, but there, there's a story of the first king of Israel, King Saul, who God rejected from the throne. And then there's the story of the second king, King David, who God said, I'll establish your seed forever on the throne. If you look at their lives, they both had a lot of mistakes. But something happened to Saul, the first king. When he first was anointed king, he went to hide. He didn't even want to be in the position. But once he got on the throne, this man who was little in his own eyes suddenly took on pride and thought he was big in his own eyes and could do whatever he wanted to do. And he disobeyed God's leadership on two or three occasions. And he disobeyed what God told him to do for the whole nation. And as a result, God said, I'm going to take you off the throne. And when I do, I'm going to put somebody else, David, on the throne who will have a heart for me. And it's really a picture of this first part of the Lord's Prayer. Saul refused to submit his will to God. He said, I'll do it my way and you'll bless it. And God said, no, I won't bless it. I'll take the kingdom from you. And here's what it said of Saul. Literally, God said, your self-will, your stubbornness, it is as rebellion and witchcraft to me. See, my will can be tied to the wrong things. But when I submit my will, God releases my heart from those things. Of David, God said, I will find a man and put him on the throne who's after my own heart, who will do all of my will that's the heart i want to have the heart that god can adjust and change psalms 37 4 says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart that word delight in the original writing means to be soft and pliable it means be pliable in the hands of god let god adjust your will let god change your thoughts let god take your heart off the wrong things and put them on the right things and then god when your heart is right with him god will not withhold any good thing from you but god will pour his blessing into every area of your life delight yourself in the lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart when your desires are right god loves to pour his blessing into your life but my prayer life's not working have you exchanged your will for his will you know i think sometimes in our churches we fail to teach that 
God's plan to save us, the plan of salvation, it's got two things involved in it. Number one, it's accepting a Savior. And number two, it's making Him Lord of our lives. Letting Jesus be Lord of our life. Letting Him call the important shots. Letting Him make sure the very essence of what our heart is is wrapped around God and the things of God. Because God gives us a brand new life, salvation. And he wants to see our hearts attached to Him to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. You know, I told you I was raised in church and I was a pretty good kid. When I was in high school, God began to open some doors and I got some really good experience working with some older pope people doing ministry. Not older popes, older people. And I never have worked with the pope, for those of you who are wondering. But I, I, I got to work with uh, some really experienced people in some areas of ministry and it was really great. And I thought, wow, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. It comes easy. I love doing this. Did it for a couple of years. And then when I was about 20, almost 20, I looked at the long picture one day and I had an emptiness because I knew there was something different. Something different than what I had in my heart that came easy to me. And I found that God had something else in his plan. I wasn't even sure what it was at first. But I remember one night on a Wednesday night service going over to a chair in the corner of the building and just kneeling down and saying, God, I've been running down this road and it's not a bad road. But something's empty here. Something's not right. I have my heart wrapped around this because it's easy for me. It makes me look good. It just uses all my gifts. This is what I want to do. But God, I realize this is empty. And I surrender that to you. God, if you've got something else, whatever it is, I want your will. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done in me began a journey that changed my heart changed my life and I look back now 40 some years later and I'm going to tell you something it was the greatest decision I ever made in all of my life surrendering everything to God the life he's given me to live is just amazing because I've seen his hand of blessing all areas all through the years that's what God has for each of us the number three the last thought and I, I finish quickly with this in the New Testament, there are two pictures of prayer that I want to show you real fast to help you understand God's heart about prayer. In three of the Gospels, three of the four Gospels, it's told that when Jesus died on the cross, something happened. In the temple where they worshiped God, there was a part of the temple called the, the Holy of Holies, the most holy place where only the high priest could go on certain occasions. No one else could go in there. And there was certain protocol that he had to follow to go in there. Otherwise, he would lose his life. And there was this large, heavy, thick veil or curtain that was built, as God demanded, to separate men from the high priest. And the priest would go in there to visit with God, to have contact and interaction with God, to give sacrifices. But when he went in there, he had to be properly prepared. And that curtain kept everybody else away from the presence of God. But scripture tells us when Jesus died, took his last breath and said, it is finished. When his spirit left his body, the curtain, that veil of the temple, that big, thick, heavy curtain was split in two. And God basically said to you and me, prayer is an open door. My door is open. You can come talk to me anytime. 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 
I've got an open door policy in my office. All the team knows when my door is open, which is most of the time, you can walk right in and start talking to me. If the door's closed, leave me alone. I'm doing something that's important. I need privacy. But most of the time, I have an open door policy. That's a good thing. But can I tell you something better? God's door is open all the time. He just wants us to come with the right heart and ask for the things that he's promised to us. So let me ask you, when you pray, do you see an open door? And then the second picture, you find it in Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews says, let us come boldly. Everybody say boldly. When we pray, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Interesting to me, when, when people think about God, this theological God, we have all these pictures of God. He sits on this throne and he has all this going on that looks like this and it looks like this. The writer of Hebrews says God sits on a throne of grace. Grace is attached to the word gifts. He sits on this throne of provision and gifts. Grace, that even though we don't deserve it and can't earn it on our own, God has all of this available to us. And he said, let us come boldly to this throne of grace that we may find help in time of need. That word help in the original writings means a rope. Have you ever come to the end of your rope and you needed somebody else's rope to hold on to? He said, when you get in that situation, come to God and God will extend a rope to you and he'll help you in your time of need. When you pray, do you see an open door? When you pray, do you come to a throne of grace and provision where you can surrender your heart and receive God's better plan for you and all of his provision? God wants to open our hearts today. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. We're not dismissing. We'll dismiss in a few minutes, please. Don't anyone leave unless you absolutely have to. But I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. The worship team's coming out right now. They're going to get in place. We're going to do something this morning that I believe is very, very important. Maybe you've accepted the Savior, but you've never embraced Jesus as your Lord. Or maybe you've never learned to approach God and lay down what you want to receive what He has for you. What we're going to do today, we're going to sing a song right now in worship to God. And we want this song to become our prayer. Whether you're sitting up in the very highest seats or down in the front row, I want you to join me today. Sing these words and let it be your prayer. I don't care if you have a beautiful voice or not. It doesn't matter. We're going to make a joyful noise to God. We're going to ask God to bring his will and his kingdom into our lives today. We're going to surrender our hearts and let God work in us. Worship team, come. Let's let this song be our prayer.
Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never really had that full moment of surrendering your life to God. You know, God loves us so much, He put His own Son on a cross to pay for our sins, yours and mine. He paid the price for all of our failures and all of our mistakes, but we have to accept Jesus and His payment on an individual, personal basis. I have to accept it for myself. You have to accept it for yourself. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know, it would really be great to have God involved in my life. You can have God involved. You accept Jesus as your Savior and you allow Jesus to become the Lord of your life and everything begins to change one day at a time. But it all starts with an invitation. Maybe right now you just feel something inside and you realize this is right and I don't know what to do with it. Let me tell you what to do with it. You need to respond to it. If God's knocking on the door of your heart, you need to open your heart now and say, God, please come into my life. You do that with words, communication, conversation, prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer today and I'm going to give everybody in this building a chance to open your heart and ask God to get involved in your life, to choose Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. It's not magic words, it's just words of faith. I'm going to ask you to pray after me one line at a time. Wrap your heart around it. Everybody here, pray this out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come fill my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. What He did on the cross is full payment for my sins. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways and I will follow you. From this moment forward, God, you are my Father. Jesus is my Lord. Thank you for receiving me today. Amen. Amen. Now here's the deal. That prayer is not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of the journey, the relationship with God. Learning to have conversations with God, seeing God involved in every area of your life. It's just the beginning. And here's the deal. I want to give you this simple little gift. It's our gift to you. It's called The Next Seven Days, a little booklet. It's got really simple reading for each of the next seven days to help you start building a relationship with God. I promise you this will help you. I want to give it to you today. Two ways you can get it. When service is over, there'll be uh, ministry teams here, prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something specific, they're here to pray with you. But please, let us give this to you today. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit the building, there's a counter set up there with a sign. You can stop by there and get the very same gift there. It's our gift to you to help you get started walking with God. Before we change the order of service today, I want you to put your hands together and let's welcome new believers into God's family. Well done. Now, if you will, you may be seated this morning. God bless you. What an awesome service. So good being in church with all of you today. We're so glad you're here. You know, this is the time in our service when we worship God with our giving. And as we prepare to do that today, I want us to think 
about that in light of today's message. Because, you know, when we live a life that is truly surrendered to God, when we exchange our will for his will, it absolutely impacts our giving and our attitude behind giving. Because when our will is surrendered to his will, we're no longer giving grudgingly. We're no longer giving to manipulate God trying to get him to bless us. We're simply giving out of willing obedience to him and to his word because his word asks us to bring the tithes and the offerings into his house so that the work of the kingdom can go forward, so that the ministry of the gospel can go forward. And when we give with that heart that's surrendered to him, that's when our giving truly is an act of worship and that delights the heart of God. And then he delights in pouring his blessings into our lives. So as we give today, let's give out of surrendered hearts. Let's give as an act of worship to him. God bless you as you give. And as the ushers come, let's check out our church news together. My name is Nicole and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a great experience. We want to keep you informed about everything that's happening in church life so that you can be involved. So here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. All aboard! Kids Day Camp is searching for kids kindergarten through fifth grade to join us for an awesome summer adventure. Come discover that God is just, He is good, and He is our guide. This adventure is filled with water slides, interactive inflatables, Bible devotions, games, crafts, music, and more. The early bird rate of $60 and Sunday, May 26th. Don't let your kids miss out. Sign up today at thebridgechurch.tv. The season finale of Bridge Men is coming up on Tuesday, May 14th. All guys are invited to join us for a fun night of fellowship and the teaching of God's Word. Throughout this season, we have focused on the theme, Finish Strong. And this month, that is exactly what we plan to do. Come and be encouraged to stand strong in the gates that God has placed you in and be the man that He has called you to be. Evening will begin at 6.30 p.m. when a full dinner will be served. Guys, we hope you'll join us on Tuesday, May 14th for the season finale of Man to Man. We are so excited because next Sunday is Mother's Day! That's right, and next Sunday we've got very special services planned to celebrate all the moms. Join us with at, at 9.30 and, and 11.30. We also have a really special celebration planned for after the services, so make sure you stick around so that we can celebrate all you mamas. We will see you next week. Mother's Day at the Bridge! If you are new to the Bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, 
to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning at the bridge. We love being in church with you. All right, before you head out today, we just want to remind you that we have a table set up in the foyer for our upcoming youth camp. And we've got a lot of junior high and high school students who are going to be going to camp. And we've got some who are wanting to go, but don't have the finances to go. And so if you are interested, if it's in your heart to help scholarship some of our students to go to camp, I just wanna let you know what an amazing investment that would be. Their lives are transformed at youth camp. It's just such an awesome experience. So if you are interested in scholarshiping any of our students today, stop by that table before you head out today. They can answer any questions you have and give you more info on that. All right, well, we hope you have an amazing day. We can't wait to see you next week for Mother's Day. We're going to have an awesome time honoring the moms, having a little celebration outside after each service. Can't wait to see you then. Have a great week.